Okay, so uh, our scheduling for this one has been a little weird. We, we just ended last week uh, our Old Testament overview. We were in Malachi, and we said, well, we're going to have all this time left over uh, towards the end of the year. What do we do? Um, do we jump right into another big series? And we said, you know, we're just getting to the end of the Old Testament, right in December, Christmas, Jesus comes. Why don't we talk about that and spend some weeks on Advent? So that's what we're doing. And we actually started this last Sunday night. We usually don't have uh, sermons on Sunday night, but we had a quick one that kind of kicked this off. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We sang songs and, and started talking about the hope that we have in Christ because he's come. So we're going to continue doing that today. And we're going to leap off from Luke 2. So if you want to, you can turn to Luke 2. We're actually going to be looking at a lot of verses today, or I'll reference a lot of verses. But this is going to be our leaping off point. So you can go ahead and turn there. Luke 2, 8 through 11. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping Watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. I hope that if you've been here for a while, then we've been going through the Old Testament. So I hope that this Christmas, as we study these things, this lands on you with a little bit more weight, um, having realized everything that we've just come through from the Old Testament. Um, we have studied over the past 12, 13 weeks, thousands of years of history, Israel's history leading up to this point. And, and it's still like, it's still not a happy ending yet. We're still, they're still waiting. For, for things to get better. Last week, when we were talking about Malachi, they were in the middle of an argument with God. Like they were, they were fighting with each other. And that's the last thing that the Old Testament has. The last picture of the relationship between God and Israel, is, it's a, a fight. And, and God is saying, you don't love us. And God is saying, how could you say that? I have done all these things for you. And despite the fact that you are still broken people who don't listen to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save you. I'm going to do something. And we've seen like how God continues to do things for them, but they continue to just turn away. And it's like it's not working. It's not sticking. For thousands of years, that's been the case. And so now, that's going to change. After 450 years of pretty much silence from God, where they just wait. And they're, they're holding on to these things and wondering, when is this going to get any better? Finally, something happens. And, so, and it's big. Like, things are happening now that have never happened before. Angels are appearing to just seemingly random guys out in the middle of a field. This doesn't happen. Where they can't, they come and they have this, this big news for these guys. This is not something that would happen in the Old Testament. There, there we see angels in the Old Testament, but it's not like this. It's not like they're coming pronouncing something big is going to happen, a savior this is big news. And, and what they have to say about it is that it is, it is good news of great joy for all people. So what I want to hone in on, last week we honed in on hope, the hope of Christ's promise. And this week I want to hone in on joy. 
This news is great joy. Up to this point in Israel's history, there's been moments of delight and happiness, but none of it really lasted. Like, there have been good moments, big moments, where you could really get excited. Like when the temple was initially built, when they had victory in battle, when they finally landed in the homeland, their, their promised land, and they became a people. Like there, there were moments, but they were quickly tarnished. They, they didn't last because the people's hearts kept turning away from God. So even though they experienced this, some degree of joy, it was not an ultimate kind of joy. It, it didn't last. It was quickly covered up by sin and just the knowledge that, man, we, we're still not there yet. But now these angels are coming to them and saying that there, there is good news of great joy. And so the, the arrival of Christ, the, our Savior, their Savior, his arrival into history signals that a true joy has come. Like this is, this is not just a, a tiny event that is going to come and go. This is new. This is joy for us, for them. And, and I wonder, like, for us, would you read that? Is, do, you, do you feel that? Do, do you get a sense of that? Because I've been in church all my life, so I know how it is. Like if, if you, or, or even if you haven't, like Christmas comes around every year, it seems like it's gotten to the point that it's about us getting things or giving things to other people, and that's our primary concern. And yeah, we know the story. We've read it like, or heard it said dozens, hundreds of times. And it's just like, it just like you get tired of it. And, and I know that that happens. So I wonder when, when you read that verse, that the angels are coming to these guys and saying, this is good news there is great joy in this news. Do you, do you get any sense of that? Like, personally, do you feel that there is joy in this? Do you have joy during this time of year? I would say that true joy cannot be experienced apart from knowing who Christ is. True joy cannot be experienced apart from having him change you, being transformed by Christ. It can't happen. So what I want to kind of figure out is do we, do we respond in joy? Do we have joy in Christ? Do we get a sense of this? The world says that we ought to pursue happiness. We ought to pursue our own delight. We ought to pursue our own pleasures. But it's different. There's a, there's a difference between what we're talking about here, this joy that we have in Christ, and just being happy with your life. I feel like happiness is, is one of like the primary idols of our culture. And so that's not what I'm talking about. Happiness in the world is, is a little bit different. Worldly happiness is focused on gratifying the desires of your heart, gratifying your personal once. So we hear things like, and I feel like a bunch of movies come to mind when you hear these sorts of things, but people tell you to chase after your dreams, 
to let your heart guide you when you're making decisions. Uh, they, they ask questions like, well, what is your heart telling you right now? You need to listen to your heart. Trust your feelings. Do what makes you happy. If it makes you feel good, then it's not for anybody else to judge. You need to go after it. Like, happiness is a thing. And I think that we're all aware of, of, of pursuit of happiness. But, but what I'm talking about in joy is, is different. We're, t- we're talking about something that is deeper than that. Something that is not found in your heart apart from Christ. People think that things like money, fame, power, comfort, sex, security, equality are going to make them happy if we could just get those things. And according to the world, whatever you think is good and desirable is good and desirable for you. But that's not, that's not the Bible's take on it. So when we're thinking about joy, I want us to have separate categories. When we're talking about joy, it's not necessarily about all of your desires being gratified right now. It's about something deeper than that. Because the Bible says uh, the things that you chase after reveal where your heart is. And the problem with that, with this advice from the world that says, follow your heart, listen to your heart, trust your feelings, do what makes you happy, is that the Bible doesn't have a whole lot of good things to say about our hearts apart from Christ. In Jeremiah 17, 9, the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Jeremiah says, who can understand the human heart? Matthew 15, 19 says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Galatians 5, 17 says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit of God. And the spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He says of those things, the things that your heart desires after, he says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like that will not inherit the kingdom of God. So I want us us to get a a different picture. So when we're talking about joy, I want us us to think differently about it than than just us being happy right now. Worldly happiness doesn't last because it's fueled by your self-indulgent pleasures. And we're constantly shifting. We're constantly pursuing something else and never satisfied by those things. Our hearts are. And so that kind of happiness that we, that we think will make us truly happy never really satisfies. It's temporal. It's temporary. Because it's founded upon temporary things. Even if you get that relationship or that one thing that you've always wanted or that job, it's not going to last like, people die, things break, you die. And so, if your happiness is based on 
what's making me feel good right now, what's, what's gratifying my desires, then that ultimately falters because those things are not going to last. So we need a different category for what this kind of joy is. When these angels say, this is great joy, we need a different category for understanding what that joy is about. There's a depth to Christian joy that does not look the same as worldly joy and happiness. Godly joy is not diminished through trials. James 1, verse 2 and 3 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So he's saying, when things are hard, when you're going through struggles, when you're not sure what to believe, when you are in pain, when you're suffering, count that as joy. Count that circumstance as joy. Be joyful in that moment. Because God is refining us. That's different than worldly joy. That means that you can feel like crap and still have joy. Like you can be suffering and, and not really happy. Maybe you're not smiling on the outside, but on the inside you know that this is for your good and this is being orchestrated by a God who loves you. That's different than worldly joy. Paul uh, says elsewhere, he says, while he's in prison, he's talking to the Philippians in Philippians 2, 17 and 18. He says, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. He's in prison. He's in chains. He's been beaten up, shipwrecked. He's had a hard time ever since he decided to start proclaiming Christ. But he's sitting there in chains with these wounds, and he's, and he's talking about his own death. He says, I may die in this prison, but even if I do, I rejoice because I know that it will not have been in vain. And so he has this kind of deep joy that, that goes beyond anything in the world that wants to come at him. He can sit there and in tears talk about how joyful he is. So that's, that's different. Godly joy can exist along sorrow. But the good thing is that this joy that God gives us can never be taken away. It's not temporal like the, the world's sense of happiness. Jesus says in John 16, Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn into joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will, I will see you again and you will rejoice 
and no one will take away your joy. It's not temporary. It's not something that's going to be taken from us. It's not something that's founded on a thing or a person that's going to be removed. It's founded on Christ. And Christ says, I'm always going to be there. And so nobody's going to take this joy away from you if it's founded in me. So have you, have you experienced that kind of joy? When you, when you hear stuff like that, like joy in the midst of sorrow, joy that can't be taken away, joy that's in Christ and not in how you're feeling today, like does that, is that familiar to you? Do, you? do you feel like you've experienced that? I think a lot of people who call themselves Christians haven't. I know some people who, who claim to be Christians who have no sense of joy. And it's sad. And I wonder, is that, is that us? Do we say, yeah, we find joy in Christ, but really we're looking for happiness from things in the world? Some of us, if you, if you haven't heard anything like this, how is it possible that somebody could have joy when, when they're being beaten up, when they're being shipwrecked, when they're in prison? How could somebody have Joy because of those things. Romans 6, verse 20 through 23 says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Meaning, apart from Christ, we all sin. We all chase after sins. We all chase after our desires. And that's our state. But he asks, what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? He's asking, what did that come to? Like, when you were chasing after your desires, or maybe now chasing after your desires, like, what is, what is that coming to? Eternally, what does that mean? Is that unshakable? If somebody calls you up and tells you that somebody has died tomorrow, is that going to ruin you? He's saying, what is... What do those things come to? Verse 22 in Romans 6, he says, Now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit that you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin, the wages of your desires, the desires of your heart apart from Christ, those are death, Paul says. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so that's, this is where that joy comes from. He's contrasting these two desires, these two passions. And he's saying, when we chase after our own happiness, our own gratification, our, our personal pleasures, those things lead to death. But when, you, when you've been changed by God, when your hope is in Christ, when your joy is in Christ, that is eternal. That is life for us. And so we ought to have some sort of joy in that if that's where the fountain of your joy comes from. If that's where all of your happiness comes from, that doesn't shake. It doesn't move. And so when you, when you ask the question, do I have joy at this, at this news? 
ask yourself, where, where am I finding joy? Is it, is it from my personal pleasures and desires? Am I really excited about Christmas because I know that my parents got me this nice gift? Am I excited because I bought this other person a gift and that's like the end all be all and, it's, and they're, like, they're gonna remember this for years and they're never gonna be able to top it? Like, what, what's your emphasis? Where do you find your joy? So if you're not sure, or if you're thinking, okay, I don't find joy in Christ. How, how does that then happen? Like if, if I'm sitting here and I'm really questioning where my joy comes from, how is that supposed to change? How, how is this news supposed to change how I feel? How am I supposed to get an eternal joy? Galatians 5, 16 through 26. Actually, I'm not going to read through that. We'll, we'll go to verse 22. Before Paul said in Galatians 5 that the fruit of the flesh was death. But now he's saying the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live in the Spirit, he's talking to Christians, let's keep step with the Spirit. So he's saying that the... Notice that joy was not a fruit of the flesh, but it's included here. So I, I conclude by that, that the only way that you can have joy is from the Spirit of Christ. The only way to true joy is through the Holy Spirit working in your life to change you. And so, non-Christians don't know it. And maybe young Christians are trying to figure it out. In both cases, it says that for this to happen, for, for us to experience this joy, it takes a work of the Spirit in us to change our hearts, to change our desires, to become slaves to righteousness. So that all of our faith, all of our happiness is rooted in Christ. In that promise that he's going to come and he's going to change things for us. He's going to take our, our life, which is broken and messed up. And he's going to change that. He's going to give us new passions, new desires. He's going to help us. He's going to teach us to be more like him. He's going to root our desires. He's going to dig out our hearts, the part of us that, that seeks after things that are in the world. He's going to dig that out and replace it with something that never changes, never moves himself. And so if you don't have, if you don't have this joy, whether you claim to be a Christian or not, You can have it. You can, you can read these words from these angels who come as messengers and say, listen, I've got good news for you. This is joy to you. It ought to be joy. You can read those things and you can know what they're talking about by trusting that Christ is everything that he said he was. 
that he came to do what thousands of years of struggling could not do. God and Israel working through the Old Testament, them trying to earn his grace, them working at times really hard at it, but failing ultimately. He can come and he can, in 30 years, 33 years, he can make up for all of that because he comes to live a perfect life and, and to do what we can't do, what the Israelites could not do, and to change us and to give us new passions, new joy. That's good news for us. And so, as we continue on, as we continue to think about Christ's coming, and as we continue to consider Christmas at this time of year, I pray that we would not be cynical about it and, and we would not be dull to it. Like, here it is again. I know what's going on. It'll come and go. Like this, this is big. It's not something to get over. We should never get over this. We should have joy in this. God says in Psalm 1611, he says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I can't, I can't make, none, none of us standing up here talking or standing up here singing can make you feel that. I hope for it. But I can't make you feel that. I can only pray that when we talk about these things, when God's word is opened and these things are revealed to us, that he does something. What I will say is, I feel like we could be more joyful. We could be more joyful in here on Sunday mornings, right now, in the future. And I know that I'm, I'm not the kind of speaker that's like jumping up and down and like giving you like jokes and, and all these sorts of things. I'm not the best, I'm not the most charismatic person. So I'm, I really, I can't rely on myself to do this. But it, it, no matter how I present this, it's true. Like, we've just read a bunch of verses, and this is not my word speaking. This is God's word speaking, saying that if we, if we have faith in Christ, then it is joyous. And we ought to have joy in it. And especially here, of all places, where we come together to proclaim that joy, when we come together to sing these songs, when you get the opportunity to respond to that, you ought to have some joy. I feel like it's something that we have a hard time for some reason 
expressing. I feel like we're pretty good at being thoughty, and that's probably a result of the people that are up here talking a lot of the times. So like we're, we're, we like to think about things and make logical arguments, but there's room for just happiness. Like, when you see the kids over here just like dancing. Like, you might, you might think they don't know what's up, but that they know, like if you, if you just ask them, why are we here right now? Like, we're driving on the way in here, and, and David says, we're here to worship Jesus. And so when they're dancing over here, they have, they have some sense of this joy. And, and that's, that's something that I, I want to encourage you to, to express. I'm not saying you have to, like, dance like David does until you're drunk and, and, and falling over because you're so dizzy. Um, but, like, we can, we can be joyful in here. And I'm sorry if, if I don't express that enough. But it's, this is good news. And it ought to change us. We ought to be happy. You ought to be able to smile when you hear these things. Or clap. Or do whatever it is, whatever crazy thing that you think everybody's going to point and laugh. Whatever that is. You ought to be able to do that here because your life has been changed. And if you feel that, please express that. And if you don't feel that, start asking some questions. Why, why does this not matter to me? Why do I just sit here every week and, and not care? Now it's time to ask those questions. Let's pray. Father God, this is good news. Your coming is good news, and it ought to fill us with joy. It ought to change us. We ought to be, we ought to be different people. This joy goes beyond smiles, and so it doesn't have to be all smiles. But it's certainly not less than that. And so I pray that you would make us joyful people, that you would cause us to smile and delight in you, in the midst of the worst times. I pray that you would so envelop our hearts that we would be okay with making a fool of ourselves just to express joy in your promises, like David did, dancing out in the middle of the street. And people make fun of him afterwards, but he says, listen, my joy is in God, and for that I do not feel ashamed. I pray that we would not feel ashamed because of this joy. I pray that we would be moved by it right now to sing, to dance. And I pray that if, if there are some people in here who really don't know what, what this is all about, that right now you would start convicting hearts, that you would start changing things, to hear this for the first time. Thank you for coming. Thank you for saving us. In Jesus' name, amen.